Hi, folks. This is Audacity in Love and Life, and I'm your host, Sean Matos. I want to talk about traveling and road tripping. I highly recommend, especially if you're young and you can afford it or figure out a way to do it um, before you get settled in life and get a job and s- start the mundane nine-to-five crap uh, and working for uh, slave labor money. <laughs> Um, and, and, and building everybody else's life up while you're working for slave labor money, um, I would suggest that you travel, that you travel across the country, that you travel across Europe, that you take a boat, airplane, Amtrak train, drive a car, van, an RV or whatever, and just really see this world. And if not, see this country that we live in. Um, and, and see the beauty, you know, of the, the, come here, girl, of the cities, of the, of the country, you know, of the desert, ocean, everything, rivers, whatever, just, and meet people and listen to their stories and talk to them of all facets of life and, and ages and Try foods, try restaurants, and I'm not just talking about nice, fancy restaurants, you know, I'm and expensive ones. You can get even better food just listening to the locals and and uh, going to their places, going to the little hole in the wall place because I'll tell you, that's where the best foods really come from. You know, that's the more authentic foods that you're gonna taste, usually, you know. Um, I ended up uh, an old friend from New York City that um, was friends with my the one that I was in love with from Peru, whatever. Um, she contacted me and she was in Hollywood, Florida. And I had been doing a little bit of local animal rescue stuff and everything going up to New York or whatever. And she contacted me. She had a place, a rescue in Hollywood, Florida. And she needed some dogs that were adopted up in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania area to be transported. So um, that was my start to really traveling like on my own. I've been to Hawaii. I got a free, uh, what would they call jump seat in the military. You sign up, you get pulled out of a pool of people and you get to go for free. So I got a free jump seat to Hawaii with my first, no, second lover who was older than me. She was as old as my mother. My mother had a hissy fit. But, um, and that's how, she's actually the, how I ended up living in Cherry Hill. But anyway, um, we got a jump seat to Hawaii. She was going through menopause. It was a such a beautiful place to visit, but with such a miserable person. <laughs> literally from the airplane she was horrible and I'm not saying that every ex that I had was horrible um we ended up being best friends after I I broke up with her but the fact of the matter is that um I was way too young I wanted to enjoy life and she was going through menopause I was like 23 and she was 43 you know so you know, sometimes you can hook up with somebody that's older and it's awesome. And then sometimes you can hook up with somebody that's older and, um, you know, they are at the point in their life where they just are miserable or menopause or 
have done all the things that they want to do and they don't want to do them anymore or whatever. They're just, their personality is miserable or whatever. So at the end of the day, she, she was miserable <laughs> with menopause basically. And we went to Hawaii and I know I could have enjoyed it better if she wasn't with me. Um, from the plane, she started bitching and moaning to everybody and people were, you know, it's like a 13 hour flight and you're on a, you're on a jump seat, so you're on a parachute seat, you know, not not the most comfortable thing. And on top of it, it's not meant, it's a cargo plane, so it's not meant to house people and take them across the country or the world or anything. It's not meant for that. It's meant to put other stuff on, on board, military supplies. And the crew has a, pu a bucket behind a curtain. That's their bathroom, basically. And it was about... I guess it was about 30 of us, and she bitched and moaned the whole way. We're playing cards. We're talking. People are listening to, you know, whatever. They have earphones on, whatever, and she wanted everybody to be quiet on the plane, and um, she wanted to get some sleep, and they were keeping her up, and she's screaming, I'm not nocturnal, and it was just a mess, and it was actually, um, on the way back, we got to be on a refueling airplane. And I got to lay in the bubble underneath the aircraft um, that is where the refueler is. And it's literally you feel like you're flying because uh, it's all like this like plexiglass. So and then, then there's like this gurney that runs through the middle of it. So you just like if you like if you like roll over, you're going to fall into the plexiglass dome, you know. But to lay there, and then the, the person who who um, is operating the boom for in-flight refueling lays on their belly, and then they have this arm. It almost looks like a bicycle arm or whatever, and then you're maneuvering it, at least back then. I don't know if it's different now. I'm sure it is because that was in the 80s. But if you basically, they wouldn't basically maneuver it like they would a handlebar. And line up the refueler and stuff like that. So you're literally laying there and it's like you're flying. It's just like the most awesome experience. Like freezing though. It was absolutely freezing because you're like 40,000 feet in the air and it's cold up there. Um, and then we're going over the ocean a majority of the time. But that was my way of um, I'm not going to be around her for this whole flight on the way home because she was so miserable during the whole trip and, you know, on the flight there. So she was miserable then. Um, they had ordered limousines for us to go from the airport to, to our hotel. We all had booked hotel rooms. I had booked hotel rooms months in advance, and this was in February um, and it was a perfect time to go. And it was my birthday. It was kind of like a birthday celebration. And, you know, we got lucky enough to both be pulled to go for free, have the flight for free. We had to pay for the hotel room and everything and everything that, you know, once we got there, it was on us. But basically the flight there, because a military plane had to go there to Hickman Air Force Base, we were able to jump on the ship and uh, the flight. So <clears throat> when we get there, these limousines are lined up to take us to the hotel. She's so miserable, she doesn't want to get into any of the limousines with the other people because she had done nothing but fight for 13 hours <laughs> while we were getting there yelling and screaming at people, you know, because she was so miserable. So she says, no, we're not getting on 
uh, in any of these limousines, we'll find our own way. And they're like, are you sure? Because this is all, you know, like we're all pitching in to get a ride and we'll get there in like 10 minutes or whatever. So no, then there's no taxis available. So luckily a shuttle bus driver says that we can come on, but typically they don't take people with luggage. It's more for people that live in the city of Honolulu or whatever to, for transportation. And um, so we had to put our stuff on this this uh, <laughs> this bus with all these locals and it took us like an hour and a half to get there because there was a hundred stops you know so we finally get to the hotel and they gave our room away you know and I was like what are you talking about man it's already prepaid whatever I mean the luck was that we got a penthouse and it was awesome and it actually it actually worked out even better because I didn't even have to sleep with her. <laughs> and I literally slept on the couch the whole time um, because she was so miserable, you know. And, and it's a shame because we even rented. There was like uh, a group of, like I guess it was like eight of us. Um, we rented convertibles. And she didn't want to ride with anybody, but we finally convinced, convinced her to ride with us in a Mustang convertible around the island to the other side where they, you know, have the pineapple thing and, just see the rest of the island where everybody else lives. And um, we also went to Pearl Harbor and took a tour of Pearl Harbor. And she left early. She didn't finish the tour of the Pearl Harbor thing. And she just told us to take a video and she would watch it back at the hotel room. And uh, she was miserable the whole time. It was like horrible. And uh, when we went and watched a video of the rest of the tour of Pearl Harbor inside the submarine and everything, she bitched and complained about the video was uh, moved around too much and that she was getting seasick from watching it. And we were all like, Jesus, can we just throw her on a flight back, you know? So that was basically when I came back from, from Hawaii, I broke up with her. And then I got my own place in the same apartment building and we became the best of friends and we hung out more and did more things and we had more fun, uh, her dating somebody else and me dating somebody else and us double dating and just doing things together um, and, and really became best friends from that. So um, it wasn't such a bad thing. It was just, you know, she was in different plates in her life and going through different things and, and everything than I was. But that was a trip of a lifetime as far as I always wanted to go Hawaii. When I came back, I was pulled to go to Puerto Rico after that. And I decided not to because I, you know, at that time I was... I broke up with her. I was, you know, put in for an apartment in the same building because I loved living up in Cherry Hill, right on Cooper River. Um, so uh, I put in for that. So I had to move and everything. So I wish I had taken that also, but unfortunately I didn't. But it really just opened my mind and eyes and, and, and passion to want to travel more, you know. I got to go to Georgia uh, when I was in the military they were shooting the movie Glory with Matthew Broderick, Carrie Elwes, um, Denzel Washington. And I was in a bookstore in Savannah and I had my military uniform because I had to go back to the base. I think it was at 12 o'clock and work from like, it was a half a day, like 12 to 6, 12 to 7, whatever it was. Um for our uh, two-week deployment down there. And 
I heard the director and the producer talking, and they were talking to the bookstore owner about um, Civil War books and stuff like that for the movie they were shooting. And I thought, like I saw in the square, that there was commotion going on or whatever. And here it was they shoot. They were shooting the movie Glory. And I got to talking to them and everything, and they told me, why don't you come on the set, and um, we'd love to make you an extra in the movie if you if you want. And I was like, oh, my God, that would be, like, friggin' a dream come true. Yeah, you know. But I had to talk to the military base commander and find out if they'll allow me to do that because once you're on active duty, they have you 24-7. And even though we weren't technically having to work 24-7, they had... Uh, the right to control your life 24-7, you know. So they said, no, it would be a conflict for you to be uh, under military duty and to work as an extra uh, on, on there or whatever. But they, the producer and director, and they invited me on the set every day. Whenever I wasn't on the base, I was allowed to come there and watch them shoot the movie. I sat down with the extras and the actor, actors and sat down and had lunch with them. Um, and it was such an awesome experience. It, it really was how they set up the whole, uh, scenes, you know, they put dirt in the road and everything to, to bring you back to that period and everything. And it was, it was just such an awesome eye opening experience. So now every time I watch the movie glory, I'm like, Oh my God, I was there. And actually I was walking on the river walk and Carrie Elwes was walking the other way, opposite direction. And he threw a cigarette butt in front of me and looked at me like, and I was like, you know, dude, like, and he was a good looking dude, but you know, and, and I was like, damn, I think, I think he did that on purpose, like to get my attention kind of a thing, you know? So, um, I had that experience. Uh, where else did I go? Just traveling in the military, Florida. Uh, we went down to the base in Florida and outside of, I can't remember where, uh, down in Miami area. Um, so I was down there for two weeks working with fuel. Uh, we were allowed to wear our t-shirts while we were working on the airplanes because it was so hot, but I got fuel on my arm and you're getting it. It's 80, 90 degrees and you're getting, you're getting a tan and unfortunately in sunburn or whatever, and the fuel and the sunburn gave me a horrible rash that took years it would come and go for years anytime I was exposed to the sun um, for like six, seven years afterwards, you know. Um, where else did I go? Michigan was my first place. Alpena, Michigan, beautiful, off Long Lake. Stayed in cabins uh, off of Long Lake instead of on the base. And it was all men and I was the only woman. We were all aircraft mechanics. And I shared a cabin. I slept on a couch with these four older men that I called my poppies, poppy bears. And, um, it was just an awesome time. I got to go windsurfing. We played, we went fishing, we played football. Um, you know, we just went out, you know, on, on, uh, some canoes out in the lake and drank and partied and had such a fun, fun time. Um, so, you know, it's like, Travel, it, it just opens your whole world up, man. Opens your mind up. Opens your heart up to different people. 
you know? So I would suggest people travel. Like, I did this Angel Paul's rescue ride thing because the girl that I was in love with in New York, her ex-girlfriend's ex-girlfriend um, contacted me from Florida to bring these rescue dogs that she had from her rescue up to people that adopted them in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and New York. So I drove all the way down to Florida, picked these these dogs up, and went to Pennsylvania, dropped them off, went to central New Jersey, and met up with the people from New York and New Jersey up north. And it was just an awesome experience, not only to rescue the dogs, but to just to travel. I've been to Florida before, but not, you know, like, on my own kind of thing where I could do my own thing or whatever. And it was hard. You, you don't really do your own thing because I drove 22 hours straight down. Um, I stopped in south of the border, this, that, and the other thing, but not really spent that much time because um, I wanted to get the dogs to their homes, to their forever homes, you know. So I, I basically would drive through, nap out a couple hours, and then get the dogs, load them up, and and head out to Pennsylvania, head out to, you know, the New Jersey, and then come home, you know. But it was still, like, then I picked up other rescues. People from New York were calling me, from, from Pennsylvania, from New Jersey, whatever. Um, I won a lo my lawsuit, my big lawsuit. I donated between homeless people and animal rescues, uh, mostly dogs and cats, uh, $50,000 $50, on my money, you know. And, and I got to go down to Columbus, Georgia. I went to Atlanta, Georgia to hang out with a friend and brought uh, this young lady down with me that was a friend of hers. And um, when I was down in Atlanta, Georgia, I drove to Columbus and got to, to meet the people and, and the place, a couple places that I donated money for dogs to be adopted and cats to be adopted. And I, I, I paid for the adoption fees for hundreds of animals um, to be adopted to homes so people couldn't, who couldn't afford to pay it or whatever would be able to adopt an animal, you know, and, and rescue them. So I did that in Florida and Georgia and South Carolina and, you know, wherever, um, all over. And some places I got to the west coast of Florida near Tampa, St. Petersburg, I got to visit that rescue um, out there with my sister. Um, so it, that's also another thing, you know, if you can save an animal's life or help a homeless person or help somebody out, you know, um, you know, do it, whatever, you know, whatever way you can. Um, but, but travel, you know, and if you're coming out of high school and your family's well off and you're able to travel, travel, man, like, throw a backpack on and live in hostels. Cause that's, if I had to do it over, I would have threw a backpack on. I would have just like hopped on my motorcycle. Like my stepbrother, he did that. He literally, but he was in his psh, late twenties, maybe early thirties, I think when he did it. But my stepbrother, he threw a backpack on and traveled across this country on a motorcycle. And I just envied that. I just love that about him having that kind of freedom in him. You know, he doesn't have his life together still, but he had the balls to do that, and that's just awesome. 
you know, and he would stay in places and I would have done the same thing, exactly what he would have done. I would have stayed places where um, if I liked it, I'd stay a week or two, get a job, wash dishes, do whatever you got to do to make a buck, you know, sustain yourself and stay for as long as you want and then leave and move on to the next place and just experience the life in that area and the food and the people, you know, the culture, whatever. And, uh, and he did that all across the country with a motorcycle. And then he moved on and he went to St. Croix, St. John's, uh, Jamaica, um, Puerto Rico. And he lived on the islands doing motorcycle, moped mechanic, boat mechanic, uh, anything that he could get a job to stay on these islands and, and work and everything. And, uh, you know, and then come back. And I think the last place... Then he got a roofing company job where it travels all over the world. Not all over the world. It was country. All over this country. Um, California, whatever. Louisiana, New Orleans, or whatever. You know, and then once in a while he would call me and ask me if I had any bail agents. In, <laughs> in New Orleans, because I just got arrested for having sex in the backseat of a car with this chick I picked up. And we're two blocks from the house that I live in. And that's just like a stupid thing, you know. He might even have that warrant out for him still knowing him. <laughs> you know, but... um. You know, just experience life. If you could travel all over Europe, I would love to. I would just, if I had my life my way and I, if I could have done it differently, that's one thing I would have done. I would have came out of high school, threw a backpack on, hopped on my motorcycle or jump in my car and just travel across this country um, until I see almost every inch of it and live, you know, on the road. And, and then maybe, you know, do this and then hop. I would have loved to travel all over Europe and live in hostels or, you know, find place, places that people that will put you up because there is a lot of people that will put you up and up across this country. There's horrible people that might murder you and leave your dead body out in the middle of nowhere. But, you know, unfortunately, um, back then it to me, I don't think there was that much of a chance that would happen as it is today. Like, it's just unreal. Like, um, but I did the Angel Paul's Rescue Rise. It's on Facebook if you ever want to look at it. I have several pictures. Some of them might be gone because I haven't been on that site that much. But I used to post all my travels, all the dogs and whatever that I used to rescue and everything. And, and, and also keep track of let the people be able to watch what's going on with their adoptive adoptive uh dog or whatever and also you know there was a lady that lost her house in new york that she unfortunately she had two dogs and one was a pit bull so she had to leave it behind because the place that she found in florida to live in wouldn't take the dog but her family would and then they gave up on taking care of the dog you know so i was able to take the dog down to her new apartment where they accepted uh pit bulls and be able to reunite them and that was awesome uh, i have a friend of mine that lived that was living in new york that moved to chicago her husband's you know um i don't know some big wig in one of these corporations and they he got a promotion and a transfer out to chicago and her one dog wasn't uh, able to make the trip with them because he's filled with anxiety and fear and and everything so I was able to take that dog from New York to Chicago and uh, reunite them um, 
took a road trip with another lady from New York and we hooked up. There was a lady that was a victim of domestic violence. Her husband was a top military person in Sierra Vista, Arizona, uh, the army base out there. He apparently had a long-standing abusive domestic violence streak in him and would beat her and her kid and everything. And uh, I guess this time around, she ended up in a hospital. So finally, the military, who was slow to take care of domestic violence and sexual assault and all that, they really don't care, you know, um, stepped in and actually relocated her secretly across the country. And the military dude was transferred, but he ended up finding out where the hell she lived. Thank God she was living with a cop. I really don't know what happened after that. But they wouldn't, the military would not, they took her and her daughter, daughter and, and transported her across the country, but wouldn't allow the dog to come along with them and transport the dog that they had for like seven years, a golden retriever named Roxy. So me and this lady went across country and that was an awesome trip because I always wanted to go across the country. So we went all the way out to Arizona. Um, luckily, she footed the bill for the hotels and everything. And she was able to write that off. And she has money, so it was nice to be able to do that. And we took her van and we shared the major- you know, the driving. And it was a trip of a lifetime because our personalities clashed like you would never believe. Like... Uh, so we fought pretty much the whole trip. I swear to God, like in El Paso, Texas, I got out of the van and I was like, I'm going to find my own way home. <laughs> I didn't care. I'm calling Hertz, you know, and I'm calling, looking for a rental car because I'm like, this is, I, I can't take this woman no more and, you know, whatever. And, um, uh, and, and it ended up, you know, you know, we worked things out. Her roommates talked to her about, you know, you can't be this way and stuff, you know, it's kind of like a spoiled brat syndrome, and she finally realized she can't have her way every way, you know, all the time and everything, and then disregard my feelings or whatever, you know, when uh, we're traveling to go to places to eat and stuff like that. It's just like, you know, uh, it's not everything that you want to do, <laughs> you know, but she was she was awesome. We, we ended up, now we're friends, and we laugh about the whole situation, you know. By the time we were on our way home with the dog back to New York, um, we, were, we were pretty much laughing, laughing more than anything, you know. And, and that's what you have to do, you know. You just have to laugh, man. Um, it's, I definitely recommend, um, if you want to get to know somebody, it, take a road trip with them. <laughs> and if you want to, you know, if you're in a relationship with somebody, that's the true test. Two, if you're in a relationship with somebody, take a road trip with them, travel across the country with them. And if you can still love each other and uh, or be friends with people after that or whatever, you're, you know, then you're in, you're good. You can deal with every conflict there is in life <laughs> and then laugh, be able to laugh and become friends on your way home from such a tumultuous <laughs> trip, <laughs> you know, but we were lucky. It, it was so nice to be able to do that, to reunite somebody who had been through such a horrible experience with domestic violence and everything, to be able to reunite her daughter and her with their dog, you know, because they're family, they're, they're a part of us, you know, um, and they love us more. We can love ourselves. I mean, they, they're unconditional love, you know, you can't get any better than that. So, you know, we were able to stay at a 
really high-end golf resort in in uh, Tucson, Arizona, and get massages and go, you know, swimming. And it was just, you know, we needed that, like, go four-wheeling in a desert and stuff before we picked up the dog and headed out. You know, we took a couple days to decompress and, and everything from the drive across country. Got to eat real authentic uh, Mexican food right outside of Mexico and El Paso and, and uh, you know, just see the country, man. It's awesome. And then I took my own road trip cross country in May of 2019 and that was a trip. First of all, that's scary as shit by yourself. I'm sorry. It, it, it really is a scare. I, I think I had a panic attack in, I think it was like West Virginia area or whatever. Because then, you know, you start to realize I'm a, a, I am really far away from anybody who could help me right now if something happened. <laughs> I'm really on my own right now, <laughs> you know. And uh, I set my, thank God I had my van. That was the van that I used for all my animal rescues. It was perfect because it had heat and air in the back part of the van. It's a town and country. So it had vents, heat, and all the seats went down. So I could either put them in, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Crates or have them lay out on beds and everything. And I prefer that because I'm not, it's like I, only if the dog was dangerous to the other dogs that I had in it. And I didn't take too many dogs. I think I had like seven dogs at the most. And they were smaller dogs and like one big dog or, you know, two big dogs and the rest were smaller or whatever. But I wanted them to be as comfortable because they're already scared shitless. They don't know where they're going. They don't know who I am. I wanted them to be as comfortable as possible, you know, um, on their trip to their forever home, man. You know, so most of them were not. They were tethered inside to keep them from when I opened the door running but they had, you know, nice doggy beds and everything else, you know, f water, food back there that they can eat, toys they can play with or whatever, um, because I prefer that being uh, the ride that they got, you know, the trip that they got, you know, instead of the other way around, you know, because nobody, I don't care, people don't like to be in cages and neither do animals, I, uh, you know, I know it's necessary in some areas, some instances, but um, I'm not a big dog house tether person either. I, why get a dog if you're going to have a dog outside all the time and you forget to feed them, forget to, and then it's cold or it's too hot and they don't get any attention. That's what dog, dogs are pack animals. They're social animals. They need to be, uh, with you. And they're very emotionally intelligent, more intelligent than some people I know. So at the end of the day, you know, that's how you want to, you want to have them as part of your family. Cause that's what they really are anyway, you know? But uh, I took my own road trip cross country. I put this, uh, it's like, a, I think they call it like reflex or reflux. It's, it's this reflective stuff that you would use on your car windshields to block the sun. I bought a roll of that material and I blocked up all my windows, put a curtain in the front and then a curtain in the back so that this way... Um, I put a porta potty in there, had toilet paper, everything. If I was out in the middle of the desert and had to go to the bathroom, I can use it. Brought a cooler with food and drink and water, um, clothes, put one of those throw bedding cushions down with sheets and blankets and, and everything. And it was set up just like a miniature 
uh, camping thing, you know, it was, it was perfect. I brought everything you can think of to fix uh, my car on the road because I am mechanically inclined for the most part. Um, you know, I had my car checked out. I put new tires on. The only thing that, well, I'll tell you the story. <laughs> so I get across country and everything. Now, this is a time when there's really bad storms happening across the country. There was like 59 storms with tornadoes, high winds, uh, tremendous amount of rain, everything. So I'm traveling now through tornado weather. And thank God I did not get uh, in the mix of an actual tornado. But damn, well, I was really close. There was heavy flooding and everything. Um, people were like, the water was up to people's rooftops. Um, and it was just really dangerous. It was, it was really scary. So I went through that part. And then when I got to outside of Junction City, Kansas, my van started acting up. So now I'm out in the middle of nowhere. And my van's acting up, and I'm like, Jesus, I hope the hell it's just maybe I got bad gas, you know. So I go, and I the I go to a gas station outside of Junction City, Kansas, and I get gas, and it's still acting really bad. And I'm like, I got to find a mechanic. So I go into Junction City, and I'm referred to this one place there, and let me tell you, it was my... Um, spark plugs and my spark plug wiring that need to be changed. And that's something my mechanic forgot to check. And I highly recommend that you remind them to check something like that. Because that's a very simple fix that I could have probably done myself, but I really didn't even think that it was... So I thought it was more serious. Unfortunately, they took me for about $500 to change spark plug wires, the coil, and the, and the distributor cap. And, and the spark plugs. Um, and there was other people that got rooked too um, because they're going a cross-country trip. And, you know, hey, you know, you might you might go. and not, Now, you don't know where you're going, so you might go another 200 miles without seeing a fucking soul except for the people on the roadway. Um, and I didn't want to take that chance, you know. So I got rooked, basically. And I told them, I said, look, I, I'm a mechanic. I, You know, if I had known that, I would have fixed it myself. You know, five hundred dollars, you're you're ripping me off. But at this point, I'm stuck, you know, between a rock and a hard place out in the middle of fucking nowhere by myself. You know, this other guy walked out, and he's like, "You're you're out of your fucking mind," and they're like, "Good luck finding somebody to fix it." And you know, that's that's the advantage they take of people that are going across country. You know, um, so I wasn't the first victim. I'm not the last. I'm sure. Um, so I got that taken care of. <clears throat> then I head into Colorado. And I'm hearing on the radio uh, that I that there is I'm cro I crossed the border from Kansas into Colorado, and the weather's kind of nice now. I'm like, oh God, some, some uh, you know a little bit of break from all this wind and rain and like tornado warnings everywhere. You know the whole thing, and I I cross into Colorado and I'm hearing over the radio. I'm heading to Colorado Springs because I wanted to hang out, smoke some pot, chill out. You know. Uh, for a day or two there, and I hear um, in Cheyenne County and whatever, Colorado Springs or whatever, at first it was Cheyenne County, 
you know, unexpected snowstorm, like blizzard-like snowstorm coming in fast, you know. And I'm like, God, thank God I'm not going through Cheyenne County. Not even five, ten minutes later, I see a sign entering Cheyenne County. <laughs> and here comes the snow. And now on each side of the roadway, they have these deep... First of all, you're out in the middle of nowhere. You're not seeing a soul except for people driving on the road if you see somebody on a drive. There was a long time I didn't see anybody on the road. And I'm in this snowstorm. And there's each side of the road has these ditches, these deep ditches on each side of the road. And then all you see is fencing for all this whatever, farmland or whatever that, that's out there for thousands and thousands of acres. Like you see in Yellowstone, you know, the, the TV show Yellowstone where you can go miles and miles, you know. Um, you have to have a helicopter in order to get to some place, you know, to check your own property. Um, so it's scary as shit. And I'm going maybe 20 miles an hour if I'm lucky. And that was pushing it. And then I start seeing traffic coming a little bit. And they're going, they're from Colorado. They're going off the road into the ditches one by one by one. I've seen so many accidents. It's not even funny. It's scary. Um, I've seen a cop car going in trying to help other... You know what I mean? Trucks, people that live there, all Colorado plates, and I'm, like, lucky to be on the road. Thank God I got to Colorado Springs. Now, the snowstorm is so bad in Colorado Springs, they didn't even realize it, that, you know, everybody's getting a hotel room that is traveling or whatever. Everybody's getting off the road. They're suggesting everybody get off the road. So I find this hotel room. Thank God they only had one hotel room, and it's now 11, 1130 at night. And it took me two and a half hours to go 20 miles, basically, or whatever it was. It was just an absolute ridiculous amount of time, excuse me, to get to Colorado Springs. So I get there. I get a hotel room. The TV doesn't work. You know, whatever. I don't even care. All I know is I, I just want to, you know, take. I couldn't sleep in my van because it was way too cold. So I had to get a hotel room. So I just took a hot shower and I, you know, I got some sleep and everything. And then all I'm hearing is, you know, there's another storm coming in Colorado Springs and everything. So now I'm like, I'm not staying here. I'm getting the beat feet out of here. So I leave Colorado Springs area in the morning and I head out, um, head south, go through Pueblo and all. I, I took some off. I, I didn't take like main roads too. some of them were out in the middle of nowhere and there were dirt roads because I wanted to see the country, you know, I didn't want to just take highway, you know? So I just headed South and, and stopped at, uh, the reservation in, in Pueblo, uh, what do you call it? Pueblo Indian reservation, um, hung out there, got to see how they live, eat some food, talk to the people, look at some art and spend, you know, some time there you know, went through Santa Fe, Albuquerque, checked out to see if my ex-roommate who ran for his life and, and moved to Rio Rancho was home, but he wasn't home. Um, so I went out, just started going, ended up in Phoenix, Arizona, staying with some family friends um, that I had known since I was 20. That's the family of the girls that I was a nanny for. And uh, hung out with them, stayed with them. Went up to Sedona, Arizona, went up to uh, the Grand Canyon, was going to go to Las Vegas, but decided, and then was going to go to 
Los Angeles and then drive down to Mexico, but I, it was a holiday weekend, it was Memorial Day weekend, and it was a crackhead crazy traffic. I wasn't dealing with any more traffic. So I hung out there and then headed my way home, and thank God I didn't have any crazy experiences <laughs> on my way home. It was pretty smooth sailing, you know? But it's an experience that I'll never forget that was really showed how brave I was because it was scary as shit, especially on the dirt roads out in the middle of nowhere where you don't see life for miles and hours. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's why there's so many serial killers out there because they can kill somebody and not find a body for 10 years at some place, places, you know what I mean? So I would definitely, definitely suggest um, doing a cross-country trip, doing a... Uh, cross-country Europe trip and travel as much as you can. Meet people. Eat the foods. You know, be brave. Be brave, man. Because uh, we're all going to die one day. So live your best life. And if you can get a job where you can travel and make money, that's a blessing. Take advantage of it. Even if you don't want to do it for the rest of your life, just do it for as long as you can. And then settle down somewhere. And you'll know where you want to settle down, too, because you have seen most of the country in the world. And you'll be able to know this is the place that I feel like is home for me. You know? Anyway, that's my podcast. Be brave. Live life to your fullest. Be kind. Don't take no shit, though, from anybody. And have a good day. Take care.